future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. The future of business is intentional and transparent. De toekomst van bedrijven zal de combinatie van kennis, creativiteit. Hello everybody and welcome to the Future of Business podcast, where we take you on a little journey to explore different sectors and stories embedded in the Oxford MBA cohort. We want to meet some of the people and tell the stories and how they are working to shape the future of business. My name is Andreas and I will be hosting our conversation today with Elzan Godlewski. As I know friends and classmates and I just very excited to get a chance to kind of dive deeper into what Azan is doing for business. The other day, somebody said, Azan is one of these people in the MBA where I cannot believe I'm sitting next to. Oh my God. <laughs> so, Azan, thank you so much for taking the time. It is Why an honor you... to be here with you, Andres. Thank you. Maybe say briefly who you are, where you're from. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Elzan, uh, I'm from the United States. Uh, I come from a state called Wisconsin, which is north of Chicago. Uh, I did the MPP last year, the Masters of Public Policy, and I'm thrilled to be here at Said this year. And my experience spans nonprofit, local government, small business, community building, and most recently I worked for State Street, which is a large custody bank and asset manager. What's your favorite place in Oxford? Ooh. I think I'm just going to say the bike trails. I love getting out of the city, seeing a little bit of, you know, the Oxfordshire area and enjoying the, the beauty that surrounds us. Amazing. Oxford is a wonderful, um, wonderful and pretty city that really looks like out of a movie. It really um, is. It's crazy that we get to live here. But to be honest, I don't see that much of it. Um, there's 200 libraries and I, I can't get over <laughs> the fact that all these libraries together don't hold anything that couldn't be displayed in a single iPad. And it's, <laughs> it's tragic. Um, and also the NBA kind of sucks us up so deeply. It's true. And there's so many people to meet. There's 350 people from 70 different countries. It's really And it's, it's wonderful. And it's, it is really is exciting yes. to be discussing with them their different fields and where this is heading. Um, and we want to talk about um, the future of business in this podcast and really kind of try to focus um, on the future and what's ahead of us. Um, and we try to get the chance to look at it from different perspectives. So, Azan, for you, what do you think is the future of business? Responsible business, generally. Um, in my last role, I got to work on some ESG-related things, ESG standing for environmental social governance. And for anyone who's in the impact finance lab, you'll have heard Ani Patton Power describe that as kind of the gateway drug to true impact uh, and impact investing. Um, so uh, I think in general, I my hope and, and what I am kind of putting myself towards in terms of my own career and energies is seeing a more responsible form of business that cares for uh, the planet, cares for stakeholders, cares for communities. Amazing. We will take the next couple of minutes to kind of dive deeper into how this is going to look like mm. and also what the the challenges associated with it mm. are. I think what many people struggle with is the idea that, that business and people are going hand in hand. And I think yeah. many of us see as an against 
business against people. Yeah, yeah. I think obviously we are, we are relying on businesses. Yeah. Um, and we are struggling with businesses who are very upfront mm-hmm. about using some of the words. I mean, mm-hmm. we all know about the customer centricity of Amazon. Yeah. We all know about the free basics of Facebook. And at the same time, these are exactly the businesses that are criticized right now yes. for, for, for good reasons. There's good and bad signs. Not a point of the discussion today. Mm. Um, but some of the the fundamentals, they seem so so simple. Mm. You know, we're clearly not reinventing the wheel here. Yeah. And yet, it seems to be somewhat really difficult. Um, so how come... How come? How come we're not doing a better job? Yeah. And do you think we'll get there? Yeah. Yeah, um, I have a lot of hope. I, I think ultimately we're not doing a better job because it's been allowed for it to, to be the way that it is. I think in many ways this is absolutely laid at the feet of government, that this is a failure of policy to uh, define the purpose of, of government, to put appropriate boundaries around it. And this is why I did the uh, public policy degree last year. I was very curious about, you know, th- we like you said, we tend to kind of create us versus them dichotomies. And there's very much in certain areas of, of business, and I've heard this around the business school, and in fact, there's this sense of distrust with government. And likewise, with, with government, there's a, a very interesting relationship. Oftentimes, public policymakers, because Ultimately, the uh, existence of this the state and the happiness of your citizens is tied to them having jobs. And um, for a lot of uh, business regulation, I mean, here we're getting into you know corporate governance and taxation. Like these are niche topics for most you know most humans out there. They're not that interested in, in learning about it. So politicians have this this uh, struggle, uh, which you can refer to as regulatory capture of uh, this is important but there's not a lot of salience around it, meaning the, the public isn't necessarily terribly invested or interested um, in the past in what happens with regulation around business and what they do. Um, and so it's easy for the experts to come in from the business and say, oh, well, we want it to be done this way. This is the best way for us. And if the government doesn't do enough due diligence or you know, doesn't, I would say, do its job and raise awareness amongst its populace of what's important for them to learn, you can wind up in a situation where uh, the business just gets what it wants in terms of regulation. It doesn't even have to do necessarily with how much money they're spending on lobbying. There's a natural state capture that can occur um, without any, any any lobbying money. Let me let me just try to to kind of break this down, understand it better. Mm. So I think the first thing that like, I hear from this is that the roots of what we are considering business, mm-hmm. corporations, mm-hmm. legal entities... <laughs> You know, business contracts clearly in public policy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is the the governments, the states that we that we know today, that set the rules mm-hmm. in which business is happening. Exactly. Um, which make kind of makes it easy to kind of blame public policy and yeah. be like it's it's all their fault. Yeah. They, they made it wrong. Yeah. Even though right now, they're not necessarily the active counterpart, and that's kind of the, the second thing of what do you think is just sad is that. It's now, it's the businesses driving forward mm. the conversations, mm. the technologies, yeah. and also more and more the public administration and the way regulatory bodies are interfering with this. And because they have the majority of talent mm. at the end of the day, because 
they pay better and they're really really good at hiring people they're also um, probably bigger most often than, than like the business by and large employs a lot more people than oh yeah there's just does. more people coming there's in. more people yeah yeah so, but yeah so they get to to move this forward mm. and continue to play a more active role in shaping this and kind of pushing government back a little bit unless we will unless governments find a way to kind of step in and create not just regularly simple rules Mm -hmm. but kind of systems yeah it's important to create coalitions and uh, between uh, the general public and policymakers and and business Uh, so that's how you kind of move past this situation i'm more i'm talking about these instances that the public doesn't care about it's very easy for uh business to come in and say well this is the kind of regulation we want and the government's like okay no one's no one's putting up a fuss about this so sure we'll go forward with that um, but if you can create salience amongst the general populace, which I would say has been happening for rather than, uh, you know, the, the standard model is uh, we, the business, are here to make profit for our shareholders. And that is that is it. And that's been interpreted in more recent times uh, very in a very short term kind of way. So and how do we get away from a shareholder-driven economy, yeah. where there's a short term, and I think short term makes less than two years here, so I'm just going to get a get a scope. How yeah. how we how do we get away from this? Yeah. To a more holistic. Yeah. Business sense that is what we refer to as responsible business. How do we get there? Yeah, there's so many components, um, and that is really the question that, that I think a lot of people are asking. There are many people who are far more qualified than I am to to answer it, but. Uh, I think, first of all, is creating this awareness so that we're pushing our governments to investigate this. We're pushing businesses to investigate this. Um, So raising the salience. Second thing is figuring out what it is that needs to be regulated. What needs to be, what what do we want to tell the businesses? Like what? Like... um, Is that an example? uh, An example... Not not to make this complicated. Um, So I think this is a lot about... um, how marketplaces are created. Mm-hmm. So I think w- what I can think of is how, how app stores are being regulated right now. Mm. So you know how, how initially it was government setting up marketplaces for people to operate in, to yeah. buy and sell, and now suddenly through technology at the end there's, there's a new marketplace owner in an mm. app store for example. Yeah. And now suddenly somebody else decided to get the rules. Yeah. And now it's just slowly government is kind of waking up and trying to regulate right, it. Right. By the way, they're not doing it. It's the companies themselves. Exactly. It's a whole different story. But yeah. um, so I think the second point, after we talked about awareness, the second point was kind of like to be more specific about mm-hmm. where are... Where are the, the boundary lines? Yeah, where are the and, boundary lines? And yeah. also where are the levers we can pull yeah, yeah. to kind of make this work better? And what else? how you measure it. And that, I think, is the big question of sustainability accounting and how we actively get from the point of not just saying nice things, but doing things that actually matter. And all of this has a uh, unintended effect as well, so mitigating those externalities. So, for example, really exciting um, change just the past year. I think it was back in March, President Biden publicly announced he said i think there should be a minimum global corporate tax rate huge because you know a a big criticism of these companies has been they're not paying tax they ship off a bunch of their products or profits to uh you know the caymans and then they don't pay tax on them because the the corporate tax law uh, uh, rate is so low there um and it's not fair because all this money is being generated in these places but we've studied this in, in class as well 
So this is a game changer, but I have a friend from Bermuda in my MPP class, and Bermuda is one of, I think it's the third largest tax haven in the world. They've built their entire economy around this, and and, and, and basically there's this uh, allegation, which is reasonable and very true that this favors large economies that already have so many services that corporations can take advantage of and takes away um, away that small island nations, small small countries were able to attract business in the past and attract you know jobs for their people so there's there's a give and take and and it needs to be uh a global tax rate also means that we as a community of of poli of of governments mm. decide that these are rules we want to adhere by mm. it's much more complicated it's yeah. it's much harder to to get done and to execute but there is a way to hold them to account And I think at the end of the day, and I kind of see it coming, so as much as I support your friend in Bermuda, um, I do think there's a there's a good point in trying to kind of kind of drill this down and try to kind of level out the playing field here. Mm. Of course, while trying to take account, take into account the consequence it has for the, the other players. Which yeah. one could argue is what we didn't do with globalization and how we got, you know, swaths of people. Like I'm from the Midwest where a lot of people, their jobs were displaced by globalization. And, and the argument has been made, oh, the U.S. is so much better off since then. And that's true. But all of the benefit has been going to the urban center. So actually an idea that... Um, Sir Paul Collier, who's uh, an economist here at Oxford, one of the things he puts out there, he said, you know, the taxes that are taken in cities, they're actually taking economic rents, if you will, by taking people and resources and other things from rural areas. They should be made to give some taxes back to those rural areas because yeah. they are utilizing their resources, Clear. but it's it's not good getting back to those communities. So it's an interesting uh, proposition to, Clear. to consider. Clear. I think it kind of ties back to the third point you made. Yeah. So you first talked about raising awareness. Mm. You talked about being more specific on which levers, regularly bodies can, can pull mm. to form the rules. And the third one you mentioned briefly, we didn't talk about mm. much yet, was metrics. Yeah. And I think this could be a great example for this. I said, like, we, we look at state revenues by taxation mm-hmm. and we see them going up and we say, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But we don't look at the other way. And other metrics, we don't look at poverty that spreads in specific reasons. We we, we don't look at unemployment in, in rural areas. Mm. We don't look at effects on the environment. So can you maybe talk a little bit about the other metrics that can be used to get a more holistic view of responsible business? Yeah, sure. Um, so some of my experience on this comes from, uh, and sorry, I'm, I guess I'm probably name dropping a lot, but the uh, Sustainable Accounting Standards Board, which recently merged to become, I think they're called something like the International Reporting Standards or something like that now. Um, they're this group out of California. For many years, they've been trying to put ESG-specific uh, uh Uh, metrics down on paper for, I think, 16 different industries and sub-industries within that. Um, so it, it the problem with, I mean, the reason there's a need for this in some ways is, uh, you know, if you go back to the 70s before that, um, most of the valuation of businesses, like 85% of their valuation was physical, tangible resources, their factory buildings, their inventory, all of that. And we've flipped, and um, as, as Colin Mayer says in his book, we've become a, a country, or Western, well, Western is a, a tricky term, but like 
industrialized countries have become about brand and brains. And so everything becomes intangible. So now about 85% of the company's valuation is based on these intangible things. So being able to get some sense on these sustainability metrics is much more important today. Like what? Like what metrics? Carbon yeah. pricing? Uh, how much carbon a, a company is using is one factor. I mean, like if it depends on what you're doing. So if you're, it, it's kind of looking at what's material in your company. So if you're using a consumer goods company like Coca-Cola, they require a ton of water. So where yeah. are you getting that water? Yeah, is yeah. it coming from water stressed regions? What percentage of that is? And making sure that all of the um, companies that fall into that category are reporting the exact same metric so that you can compare across and get some sense of exactly how sustainable comparatively are you to your peers. And that's the, the very basis of uh, sustainable accounting. How do we get to that point where you've got those comparable standardized metrics across every, and then it's totally different. Like if you go to a oil company, totally different like swath of metrics, or if you go to a financial services company, their environmental footprint is negligible, but how they treat their employees, how they treat their customers, are they overpricing? Are they taking undue risks in the market? All of these kinds yeah. of things that you need to measure. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I also kind of see how these three things of raising awareness, developing sustainable metrics, um, and being more concrete on regulatory levers, how they interact with each other. And it's frustrating um, because the, I think ultimately the answer to a lot of this is we still don't know. We're still figuring it out. We, we don't know what it means to run a responsible business in the future. We don't know how deep this barrel goes, if you will, but we're working that out together. We're working it out together. There certainly is so much for us to figure out and to, and to kind, of, kind of tackle. Um, but obviously, we are here to grow and to learn and to, to network, to build, to finance, uh, to promote. So I was kind of wondering, looking at these two of the global challenges, Azan, how's, how's the Oxford MBA helping you? Oh, yeah. Why, why did you come here and how's this part yeah. of your quest to get it all right? I, I really fell in love with Saeed based on the emphasis and focus on these kinds of issues. I mean, Colin Mayer, kind of the, uh, the father of like, what's the purpose of a corporation and how should we be thinking about this? And um, ran into his book and Sir Paul Collier's work before I applied. And I'm just so thankful and grateful to be here. Um, so I think for starters, obviously the type of people that are, are drawn to this program, everyone has, you know, some awareness of these issues. And I, I love that. Like we need people who are going into all spheres. We need people who are going to go work for oil companies. I was a geology major. I'm all about, I'm very supportive. We need the energy. We need the oil. We need that for now in our current economy. Very important. And how much more important to have people who are going into those kinds of fields who, have been exposed to the stuff that we're learning in our classes and are sensitive to it. Same thing with uh, you know banking and investment banking, all these places that people tend to think is not friendly towards these ideas, but I think the more of us are exposed and go into those fields, the better. Um, so first of all is the people and just being able to be amongst such incredibly interesting and uh, interested in these topics sorts of sorts of folks. Um, but secondly, the curriculum. I, I mean, I, I was talking to people in last year's class and uh, about, oh, you know, how much is it hype, the sustainability thing about Saeed and responsible business thing? And they're like, you yeah, know, at the end of the year, no, it's it's not hype. And now that I'm here, I'm experiencing it and saying, yeah, no, this isn't hype. It's embedded in every single one of our classes. Uh, really been impressed with, with the level of uh, thoughts and pushing. And again, not necessarily always answers, but 
we are considering this. And that is the first step. I mean, it's kind of a meditation practice. The first step is awareness. The first step is, you know, what's really going on here. And I, I'm so thankful that Saeed is, is putting a big stake in the ground uh, for that awareness in the curriculum. Absolutely. You already kind of mentioned the, the breadth of people here going from, I work in television, some people work in oil, you know, tons of bankers. Um, we are going to step out of this very quickly. Mm. Go back to our offices. <laughs> some work outside on oil platforms, but most people are in an office. Yeah, yeah. Really, really briefly, what can we do? Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, let me put this out there. I, I was talking to a, a great uh, mentor of mine that I, I met through the MBA. PP, uh, who's an executive in a bunch of different tech companies, but he came from, you know, nothing. He didn't have any uh, family wealth or, or anything like that. And I'm in a sort of similar position where I don't have you know, a trust fund or anything to like uh, fall back on. I think many of us in the program are in that position. And he said to me, you know, like, love that your heart is for impact and all these things. But if you do need to work for a couple of years for a consulting firm or something, like, do it, like, take care of yourself. Don't, all of these opportunities and impact aren't going anywhere. They're going to be there for you um, no matter what. So uh, just to put people's uh, you know, fears at ease, if you're like, oh, if I, if I don't do impact immediately, then I'll never do impact. That's, I don't know if people are feeling that, but um, it's okay to take time to take care of oneself. And I think that's a really important principle of being a smart giver to society, that you also you put your mask on first before uh, you put the other person's mask on, as they say in the plane. Put your mask on first. <laughs> first you put other people's mask on. I, I would quite like that. I also kind of like the idea of yeah. this being something that's also yeah. kind of sustainable and looking at, at different sides and also kind of trying to understand the, the system behind it. And yeah. it's not just, you can just push on one way. You have to make sure it ends meet. Um, but, I think that's all we have time for. for oh, now. is it? But the last thing I'll say is um, I think taking these things we're learning in class and applying them to the businesses that you're interested in applying for um, and, and being really uh, like doing your research. Who's actually looking at their impact, not just saying they're looking at their impact. Like, you know, the, the project we just did was a really good practice for this. What's What are actually the, the metrics and things? And use that because we're a yeah. talented group of people and yeah. we also have power in choosing where we want to work. Yeah. Who's just putting out nice articles or who's actually developing metrics and tracking them, reporting them mm. to make changes mm-hmm. and how, how can we in our own decisions to yeah. where we join, where we put our talent and work in, yeah. try to promote the right employers that are pushing responsible business today. Mm-hmm. Things are really good ending now. Thank you so much, Lazan, for taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks for thank having you, me. Yes. We're at your home. <laughs> um, Anytime. And um, to the rest of you, thank you so much for, for tuning in. Thank you for being part of this podcast, The Future of Business. Uh, tune in again for the next episode. There's many more wonderful people wanted to meet. And until then, take care.